Today is supposed to be meals. Uh, we fast meals. Um, you could fast any meals you want to fast during the week, but you know, just maybe set aside a, a little bit of time. Isaiah chapter 58 helps us to know what's God's chosen fast. What is his purpose for fasting? And it's not always what we think it is. And so, um, and then Matthew also tells us, gives us some principles and things that we can learn, um, that we can apply while we are fasting. Jesus said, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that you appear not unto men to fast. Now, when I go on a fast, I literally do that. I wash my face. Now, I have put olive oil on my face so I don't appear to men to fast. And um, so I've literally, I, I do crazy stuff. Like I try to follow what the Bible says and stuff. Literally, you know. So um, it's a good idea. You know, some people go, what's the matter? I'm fasting. I'm just so weak. I'm so tired. You know, but I try. <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about? You met people, you, maybe you've done it. But I try to wash my face, um, anoint my you know, so that way I don't appear to people to fast because I want my reward to be from God. And he that seeth in secret shall reward you openly. So there's principles in fasting. And then, um, so during March Impact, it's a little bit of us setting ourselves aside. It's a little bit of denying the flesh. It's a little bit of saying, you know what, I flesh you've been in control long enough and when I walk in the flesh things don't always go that well so I'm going to decide make a decision to walk in the spirit I'm going to take up my cross I'm going to deny myself and I'm going to follow after Jesus and um, so that's what we're going to do during this month but the first week is fasting meals that starts today you don't have to fast every meal for the whole week but maybe just set aside some time whatever it might be and then the second week is fasting media. This is, a, this is a big challenge for a lot of people because we feed ourselves with so much media every single day. And it's hard, you know, not to because we have it right here. It's just like we have access to anything and everything right here. And so uh, the third week is Daniel's fast. We can start that right after the potluck. So the potluck starts at 3. Well, that's... I just started the Daniels fast. Um, but uh, what is the Daniels fast? Well, if you go to the book of Daniel, Daniel was, he was one of the Hebrew children. And um, they decided they didn't want to eat the king's meat. Now, the Jews were not vegetarians. But there was certain meats that they did not eat. They were very picky about the meats that they ate. So obviously, whatever the king's meat was, they're saying, we, you know, we can't eat it. We're not going to eat the king. Just give us pulse. The Bible says, the King James Version says, pulse and water. Pulse is vegetables. So, um, and so they didn't want to have any pleasant foods. You know, we're just going to eat for strength and not for drunkenness. We're, the purpose of this eating is not to... Uh, oh, man, that cupcake looks good. But I'm stuffed, but there's always room for dessert, right? <laughs> so uh, it's, not, it's not eating for pleasure. The Bible says, talks about that. And so Daniel's fast is 
not necessarily eating pleasant food. It's not a, pl a pleasant thing, but eating for strength and not for drunkenness, like the Bible talks about. And so um, there's different variations of Daniel's fast. People draw the line in different places. Some people say, well, um, it's okay if you had a little coffee. Some people say, so um, whatever is that sacrifice for you, you could probably go online. We've had uh, printouts last year. We had printouts last year for what is a Daniel's fast. And so uh, pulse and water that third week. So that way, after the potluck, it's a good time to start, right? Because we'll be stuffed on all the meat and the vegetables and the goodies and the desserts. Perfect time to start Daniel's fast. So that's uh, that week goes through, and then the last week it's negative talking. Now, imagine if you eliminated negative talking from your speech. Some people wouldn't have much to say. <laughs> so anyways, that's what it is. We didn't make this up. This is something that Global Impact started years ago, and we've just been trying to do it every year. So then at the end of this month, uh, March 25th, we have scheduled Brother John Savage to come in, and he's from Kansas, and he's going to help us. He's an electrician by trade. He owns his own electrical company called Integrity Electric. He's going to help us with electrical here, and he'll be here for a little over a week. And while he's here, we're just going to have him preach. And um, he said, you sure you want me to have preach that much? I mean, you might not want me to come back. So I said, that, that, you might be right. We might not want you to come back. But. So he's going to preach the 26th, and uh, we'll have him do that Wednesday night, the 29th as well. And then his last Sunday here will be April the uh, 2nd, which is Palm Sunday. So anyways, that's, uh, that's that. Also, um, one thing that uh, we, because we don't have the slides up here, is launch your ministry. Um, it's on ministrycentral.com. So if you go to ministrycentral.com, and if you listen to, on average, a little over one of those per week, you would finish in a year because it's 55, and there's 52 weeks in a year. So there would be... I guess three different weeks if you listen to two, you could finish all those class, those courses in a year. And when you finish a certain amount, they'll give you a certificate. And there's some really good classes on there, really challenging. And if you paid attention and you uh, decided that you were going to apply some of those things to your life, it would bless your life. So um, that's what I have on my calendar. So I think that's all the announcements. So children... You guys can go to Children's Church. Yay! Look at all the children. All the children. Did I miss any announcements? Praise the Lord. All right. Mindset. That's the thing that Christy made up. It says mindset. The people had a mind to work. So 2023. You guys know what that was referring to? 
Um, in the book of Nehemiah, when Nehemiah was before the king and he found out that the city of Jerusalem was, it was in ruins. And he was a little bit bothered by that because he was a Jew. He was a little, uh, his face was down. And the thing is, the Bible says he was a cupbearer to the king. And when the king saw him come in, he noticed something about his countenance, that his face was down a little bit. He said, Nehemiah, why is your face down? And the Bible says that Nehemiah was afraid. Do you guys know why he was afraid? Because he is the one who brought the cup to the king. And he was the one who had to prove that it had not been poisoned. And he would even possibly sample of that cup. And if there was something wrong with the cupbearer's face, then the king's like, uh, why are you looking sad? <laughs> Is there something in that cup I should know about? He didn't, didn't say that. But he was really afraid. The Bible tells us he was afraid. And he said, well, this, here's the situation. He told him the truth. And the king said, well, hey, what, what do you want, how do you want me to help? And so he gets to go to Jerusalem, and he has the resources of the king. And the Bible says they rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem in 52 days because the people had a mind to work. Could you imagine that? 52 days. They took on this project, and people had, and there was enemies that were trying to stop them from building that wall. They were trying to come in, and, and they had their tool in one hand and a sword in the other in case the enemy came. So they were putting the bricks up, and they're like, we're, the work of God is going to continue. The enemy might come, but we're just going to keep working, right? So that's what that story is. The people had a mind to work. Amen. And they built the wall in 52 days. Wouldn't that be awesome if we could do this in 52 days? Starting from right now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Uh, I have just a little something to share with you. Um, and let's read, if we can stand to honor God's word. Romans chapter 12. You guys have heard this before. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. You, I, I guess you can't, can't cheat. So if you have your Bible... You can follow along. If you don't, then um, pay really close attention. The Apostle Paul wrote this. He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And I'm going to ask my daughter, Rochelle, to pray for the Lord's blessing today. Amen. You may be seated. So um, 
I just wanted to share this. I, you know, there's nothing really new that I have to share today. Everything that I have to share today is not new at all. But um, I want to talk to you guys today about transformations. And we live in a time. We live in a different kind of time. It's completely different than when I was growing up. And we live in a time where people are transitioning. Have you heard of this? Anyone heard of this? You younger generation know what I'm talking about? People are transitioning? I am surprised that there was someone that shook their head no out of this uh, generation. You don't know what it means when people are transitioning? Oh, man, that's awesome. Do you know what it means? Of course, Fernando knows. I, I know that Kylie's got to know. All my children, you guys, you guys must know, right? Transitioning. Michael, you know what I'm talking about? Transitioning. Danielle, you know what I'm talking about? Transitioning. Tina, you got to know, right? People that are transitioning. They say, I feel like I identify as a little girl. And so I'm going to go through this process of transitioning into a lady. And sometimes they go and they do these surgical procedures. They take hormone therapy. And they're in the process of transitioning. Now, now do you guys know what I'm talking about? We live in a generation where people are transitioning into whatever they want to be. I mean, I could decide that I want to be a dog. I don't know what kind of transitions I would have to go through. I mean, I seen something on um, uh, uh, on the news a, a while ago, and this person had gone through all these medical procedures and the, this tattooing to become some kind of alien, to look like an alien. It was a lot of work, a lot of transitions. You guys know what I'm talking about? You can be anything that you want to be. So I watched a documentary recently in the last, within the last couple months because I got this little thank you, Regina. Uh, I got this gift for Christmas. Uh, and on this particular uh, prescription uh, W subscription, not prescription, uh, subscription website. Uh, I, I, you can go on there and they have documentaries and there was a documentary and on this documentary they were interviewing a guy that decided he wanted to be a lady and he had all the surgeries. He looked kind of like a lady in a way and gone through all the hormone therapy and he'd been a, a big believer in it and a big proponent of it for many years and now this person was having their regrets. And now this person was deciding, you know what? I wish I had never gone through with this. But nobody's talking about it. He said, nobody's talking about the people who have gone through with this and have committed suicide. He said, no one's talking about, you won't hear this in the news, but people who have made these transitions who have regrets. 
And so I got to thinking about that. I got to thinking about the transitioning that's happening in our world today. And I remember a time when I was sitting there at Folsom Lake College in this class. It was like a college introductory class, and they were like trying to uh, help you. It's one of those classes that you take a lot of tests in the class for career to help you decide what you want to be when you grow up. You know, I still hadn't decided. I still, I'm st still growing up. I'm still not what I'm going to be, you know. <laughs> so um, I remember sitting in that class, and, and the teacher said, now I want everybody on a sheet of paper to write down, you know, the top, you know, these heroes of your life. And I wrote down several heroes. And then she went around the room and she said, who's the hero of your life and why is this person the hero of your life? And people said different things. And, and you know, when she went around the whole room and then when it was all said and done, she said, these heroes in your life are what you aspire to be. And all the heroes I had on my list were great men of God. And I thought, wow, I don't think I could ever be that. These are people that I really look up to. These are people that I really admire. But she said, those people on your list are what you aspire to be. And I thought, do I really aspire? Do, do I really think that I can attain that? Do I really think that I could be that? So I thought about that. I've thought about that over the years quite a bit. What do you want to be? And why do you want to be that? Does whatever you want to be seem reachable? Does it seem like you could make it there? Is it feasible? You know, I've been working in construction for, you know, 30 years. I started when I was 20 and I'm 50 now. So I'm old guy. And so um, I'm in my midlife crisis right now. Maybe. Maybe, maybe I'll have my midlife crisis when I'm 60. And I'll live longer. I'm not, maybe I already passed it. I'm not sure. But uh, do you guys know what blueprints are? Are you familiar with that? Yeah, the blueprints. It'll tell you exactly uh, the dimensions of the building that you're building. And I'm familiar with blueprints. And, you know, they have different sections of the drawings. They have the architectural drawings. They have the structural drawings. They have the mechanical drawings. They have the plumbing. They have the electrical. So they have all these different sections. It'll tell you, I can go to the, maybe the, uh, the architectural drawings and find out exactly, because I need to do that sometimes when you have a, a wall right there and the drawings say there's a sink on that wall somewhere and I need to look at the architecturals and find out where is the center of my sink and I got to rough it in. And so you learn to look at the other drawings and you b build it according to the drawings. And I had a, a foreman uh, that we were co-foremans. We worked together on a job and um, he was the foreman that did all the paperwork at St. Helena. He did all the paperwork and I, he, goes, if you, he goes, if you could run the guys in the field, he goes, I'll take care of the paperwork. I said, that's fine. He was a younger guy than me. He's real smart and good with the, the te technical computer stuff. And I'm like, you can have that. So anyways, I'm in the field just, you know, lining guys out. This is what we're going to do and doing all that. And he comes and he says, hey, uh, 
we've got this job, we've got, we've got to do this, they want us to run. He goes, I think we can run it over here and run it over there and do this and that. And I go, I go, you're really gutsy. I said, I'm the kind of guy that likes to install it according to the drawings. I said, so when there's any doubt, I'll do it just like the drawings. The only time I don't like to do it like the drawings is when you can't because somebody else installed something there where you're supposed to be. So then I try to get the approval to find out where I'm supposed to be. And he's like, well, we could just do it and then ask for forgiveness later. I've been on jobs where it's already complete and they've decided they're going to demo take all the sheetrock and everything off and they're going to redo it, remodel. And sometimes we have to find how to shut the water off. And so we go to the as-built drawings. At the end of a big construction job, you turn in a set of as-builts and that should tell you how you installed it. And I can't tell you how many times I've looked at the as-bill says, there should be a valve right in here and opened the ceiling and it wasn't there. And they did not, whoever that plumber was, did not install according to the drawings. I was in a situation right over here that was at South Sacramento Kaiser Hospital and, and uh, the guy who was the foreman before me, he turned the job over to me and he said, they have been looking for the domestic hot water return line and nobody's been able to find it. And he said, so I wouldn't even waste uh, much time looking for it because it's not part of what we're getting paid for. So just let them find it. They've been looking. And so the general contractor came up and he said, Jim, we don't know where it's at. It's saying it's supposed to be right here and it's not there. And um, I think the Lord gave me some insight and I was in the ceiling. I said, I found your uh, hot water return line. I wasn't, I was in an area to, I had to be there anyways. We had to tie into the line. We needed to do the work. So I said, I found it and we came up with a plan and that's done. We're all tied in. We got it done. And of course, the general contractor gave all the people a hard time that couldn't find it. So, you know, that made us look good, made our company look good because we're the ones who found it. It's pretty awesome. Have you guys thanked a plumber today? Yeah. Because we protect the health of the nation. We have saved more lives than the medical industry. Have you guys thanked a plumber today? Thank you. <laughs> uh, but plans, drawings, you know, installing according to the plans, installing according to the drawings. Right, Michael? You're, you're kind of doing what I do. He understands the essentiality of getting people water. You can't survive without it. That's good clean water makes a difference, doesn't it? And this guy does plumbing too. He brings clean water in. So, um, but what happens is people get this idea that I think I want to do this. This is what I want to do. And you know what they do? They go and they try to do whatever they want to do. And then later on they found out that didn't really work out so good. And I've got to tell you that God has a plan for your life. And you might deviate and say, no, I want to do it a different way. And I'm going to, instead of 
doing it this way, like the Bible says. I'm going to do it this way because it seems more fun and it seems more logical, right? It seems logical. And so people start thinking. People start paying attention to what society is saying. And they say, you know what? This is right. This is good. This is, makes logical sense. And so I'm going to do it this way. But the Bible is saying, no, that's wrong. And the society is even looking at the scripture as if the scripture is just so archaic and so backwoodsy. And all those people who believe in the Bible are uneducated. You guys know what I'm talking about? The real educated elite don't believe in the Bible. They do it their own way. In Judges chapter 21, the very last verse of the book of Judges, it said, in those days, in verse 25, there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And, you know, what's right for, what's truth for you is your truth. You know, what's true for me is my truth. I'll do what's right in my own eyes. You do what's right in your own eyes. As long as what you're doing doesn't, you know, taking money out of my wallet. <laughs> well, I think it would be totally okay, survival of the fittest, me just go and take money out of Michael's wallet. That's okay for me. It's my truth. Are you okay with that, Michael? He's not okay with that. Okay. All right. But everyone did that which was right in his own eyes. What does the Bible have to say about that? Well, there's another scripture here, Deuteronomy 12, verse 8. Ye shall not do after all the things that we do here this day, every man whatsoever is right in his own eyes. You're not supposed to be doing what is right just in your own eyes. No matter how logical, no matter how much sense it makes, you've got to learn to do what's right in his eyes. That's what really is going to make the difference. Uh, a fool's way, the Bible says, is right in his own eyes. In Proverbs twelve fifteen, it says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. So a fool, his way is like, it's right in his own eyes. Have you guys ever met people that they just, uh, they, they can do no wrong. And every time you say, well... This, uh, this isn't very good. Well, and they got all the excuses for it. There is a way that you can go that seems logical. You may even have the perfect explanation of why it would work, but it's not God's way. I've spoke with a lot of people over the years who had, and this, I love this, I shared this. Who did I share this with last night? Sister... Christy, Brother Fernando, uh, the, one of the ladies in the class, she handed out a piece of paper, and on the paper, it was a blank paper, on the top it said, my great idea. And on this one column it said over here, reasons why I think it's a good idea. And on this column it says, scriptures that support my idea. <laughs> a lot of times people have a great idea, and she, uh, and um, at the end of class, she goes, uh, I want you guys to fill out uh, your great ideas. I said, uh, you know what my great idea is? And she goes, yeah, what is it? 
Well, because some lady already filled it out in the class. She goes, I already filled mine out. She goes, it was a little tongue-in-cheek, honestly. <laughs> Just trying to show you that, you know, a lot of times people's great ideas aren't really that great. And I said, my great idea is to make a sheet that on the top of the sheet it says, my great idea. And then on the one side it says reasons why it's a good idea. And the other side, scriptures that go with it. And then hand it out to people. What do you think? Well, she had already done it. So anyways, my great idea. And you might think that your idea is great. And it's logical. It makes sense. But Proverbs chapter 14 verse 12 says, There is a way which seems right. I mean, everything that you could think about, all the explanations you could think about, it's absolutely right. It makes sense, right? It says, There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. There's a, there's a lot of people who are doing things they think are right. They really do think it's right, but the end of those ways is death. So our ways aren't always the best, are they? And somebody might come and say, well, you know, why would you do it that way? Well, I've done it this way. It's always worked for me in the past. Yeah. Proverbs 16, 25 essentially says the same thing. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And you might think that your ways are clean, but it is the Lord who weighs the spirits. It is the Lord who ponders the hearts. Because it says in Proverbs 16, 2, all the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes. So in your own eyes, you think your ways are okay. But the Lord weigheth the spirits. In Proverbs 21, verse 2, it says, Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord pondereth the hearts. So he knows the motive behind your action, why it is that you do what you do. And you might think you have a good reason. But that's man's ways. I don't know if you understand this, but there are people in the world that seem like they are doing so well. They're successful by the way that the world measures success. And you're thinking, man, why are they so prosperous? And I'm over here struggling. And I'm trying to do what's right. And they don't even seem to be trying to do what's right. And they're doing well. Um, what's that one guy's name that was in the news? Uh, Ep Je Jeffrey. What was it? Epps. Epstein or Epstein? Yeah, that guy. You know, it seemed like he was doing really well financially. It seemed like for years he was really well known. He, he, I mean, he rubbed shoulders with the elite and with presidents and all kinds of things. And, and maybe for years they seem like it's going good and they seem like it's prosperous. But at the end, everything came crumbling down. Or what about that movie, movie producer, the Weinstein guy? Seemed like he was very successful, right? But then the truth came out after many years. And so don't just prejudge somebody that seems like they're doing so well and they're not doing it God's way. Because in the end, the truth will, will, will be made manifest. There's nothing hidden. We talked about that before. 
So having looked through the scriptures and pondered this subject, I've come to the conclusion that my way is inferior to God's way. That's what I feel. I feel that God's way is more of a challenge to me. I feel that it gets me out of my comfort zone. I feel that it sometimes has me in places I don't really want to be. But his ways are far above my ways. Isaiah 55, 7 through 9 says, Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So how much higher is the heavens than the earth? A lot higher. And so whatever your way is, his way is that much higher. His thoughts is that much higher than your thoughts. That's pretty high. So God has a plan for my life. There is a blueprint. There is something that tells me how I should live. As a child of God, I may have to go through some training. And... Uh, when I was younger, uh, my parents did not allow me to just get away with anything. In fact, I could say that my parents were strict. I could say that my um, dad uh, spanked me when maybe I didn't even deserve it at times. There was probably enough times that I should have been spanked that I didn't, that you know, it all equaled out. No, I'm just kidding. I can think of one time that I got spanked when I didn't think I deserved it. And um, just one time. But isn't that funny? All the other times I well deserved it. But there was that one time that somebody didn't feed the dog or whatever it was and had to do with something with the dog and my dad was trying to find out who, and I was telling the truth. I really was telling the truth. So he spanked us, every one of us, till the truth came out. Has anybody ever admitted to doing something you really didn't do so the spankings would stop? <laughs> I'm not saying I did that that day. <laughs> But God does have a plan for our life. God has a blueprint. And if we try to build it our own way, there will be complications. Maybe not right away. Maybe you might not notice things right away. But being a child of God, sometimes it means being under tutors and governors. And being under tutors and governors is not that fun all the time. Sometimes they're mean. Sometimes they're strict. Sometimes they're tough. And sometimes they're not fair and right, maybe, we think, right? But the Bible talks about being under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the Father. 
And I still feel like I'm under tutors and governors at times. Anyone else feel that way? Like I'm not just ready to be released yet because God still got me in his training program. And, you know, some of us are slower learners than others. And um, uh, I think I was uh, one of those that was a slower learner. My mom, uh, you know, when I was in first grade, um, I shared this before, but my teacher would give us little homework things to do, to take home to read, and all my homework assignments were right in my desk. <laughs> I never took them home. I just put them in the desk. And one day she gave me a nice big envelope, and she said, I want you to take this home to your mom. <laughs> okay, well, I didn't know that it had all my homework assignments and a note to my mother. So I took him home to my mom, and my mom said, okay, sit down. <laughs> she said, you're not doing your homework. They're going to hold you back, and you'll be in the same grade as your sister, Gina. And I said, oh, no. <laughs> I cannot be in the same grade as my little sister. <laughs> and uh, they said I was in the lowest reading class. I was amongst all the dumb kids. I was with all the dumb kids. And so my mom said, by the end of this year, you'll be in the top reading class. I'm not sure if I was, but I remember I just kept getting more advanced and you know, harder reading, uh, different reading groups. But Galatians chapter 4 says, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the Father. So why do you got to keep going through all that stuff? Maybe God has you going through that stuff for a reason, for a season. We don't know why yet, maybe, but there's maybe something He wants you to get from this that you might not learn any other way. And so we got to learn it. Now, I got to tell you, the first day that I went snowboarding with my son, Joel, uh, I'm telling you, we watched some YouTube videos on how to snowboard on the way to the YouTube videos because we're too poor to pay for lessons. So we were watching YouTube videos and we were, I was listening and I was getting the advice of how to snowboard. And we got up there and I go, let's practice what that guy was saying. You know, go back and forth, the front edge, the back edge, you know, jump around, get comfortable moving on it and doing all that. And so we felt a little comfortable. We went down the bunny slope, you know. And um, boy, I, I was going down and I, I was able to do that front edge. I could turn with the front edge. And I do this little J turn like that. I was like, man, this is pretty good. But the minute I tried to go on the back edge, I was like, whew, head over heels, flipping and falling, and it was not good. So I said, okay, I'm going to go down the hill on the front edge. And Joel said, I can't do the front edge. I can only do the back edge. <laughs> so we were a pair. You know, he was going down like this, and I was going down like this. <laughs> and we got down the hill. Well, what I didn't realize is that, uh, you know, as I was going down on this front edge, my these calves were just starting to tighten up because you're, you're, you know, I'm on the front edge the whole time. And I had to stop. It took, he waited for me an hour at the bottom of the hill. 
as I kept stopping, sitting down, stopping, sitting down. But the Lord did use me one of those times, you know. I, I shared with you guys that story, how I was one of my resting points, <laughs> resting and massaging my calves, and I heard that little voice that said, Dad. Yeah. And I looked over, there was a little Asian boy off the side of the hill, and his dad had just passed. I said, hey, buddy, you need my help? And he said, yes, please. I unstrapped, and I was useful that day. So me resting a lot gave me the opportunity to hear that little voice. You know, Sometimes we might be in a situation where uh, well, you know, we're in a lot of pain. And we got to stop, and maybe we can hear that still, small voice of God during those times. Sometimes God has you in a place for a purpose, for a reason. But this says, that under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the Father, even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth a son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God hath sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. How many people here, just be honest with me, would like to produce the peaceable fruit of righteousness? Anybody? It's biblical. And I think that is the Lord's plan for our lives. But it's not easy to get to that point. Because Hebrews chapter 12, starting at verse 5, it says, And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. But he for our profit, for our benefit, for what it's best for us, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening, for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. So there's that peaceable fruit of righteousness. Do I want to yield that fruit? Yes. Do I want the chastening? No. But I want to be one of his children. Because if he's not chastening me, then I'm a bastard child. And so I, that's what the Bible says. So I, I might have to go through some chastening. And that's not fun. But I want to be a child of God. 
I want to yield that peaceable fruit of righteousness. So there is a transformation that needs to take place in our lives. It must take place. Christ needs to be formed in us. And we need to set our affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Galatians 4.19, Paul writes, My little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. So what's the transformation that has to take place in your life? You got to become more like Jesus. You got to be, I think we sang about transformations today, didn't we, Sister Christy? Didn't we sing about transformations today? Do you remember? Um, I think we one of these songs that talked about, uh, we were singing about transformations. Who remembers what it was? Um, which is it in the verse? Said, uh, you took my place, verse 2, laid inside my tomb of sin. You were buried for three days, but you walked right out again. Now death has no sting, and life has no end, for I have been transformed by the blood of the Lamb. So transformation is essential for our lives. We must be transformed. And so imagine looking into the mirror. Anyone here ever look into the mirror? Some of us need, need to look into the mirror a little bit more. You guys know what I'm talking about? You ever tell your children, you, you better go look in the mirror. <laughs> you got like stuff all over your face. Um, and some of us look into the mirror probably a lot. And I've been trying, you know, I look into the mirror. I do look into the mirror. I believe in that. I think it's a biblical idea. But the more you become like Jesus, the more when I look into that mirror, what I should be seeing is Jesus Christ. I need to be changed into the same image from glory to glory. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So to be changed into that image so that when people see you, they see somebody who's been transformed, somebody who's been changed. You know, there somebody who never changes. That's God. He's always the same. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we should be thankful that he never changes. The Bible says, because he doesn't change, that's why we're not, the sons of Jacob are not consumed. He didn't get, nothing takes him by surprise. You can't all of a sudden get him so mad that, you know, he didn't see it coming. Oh, that's the last straw. That's it. You can't do that. And because he doesn't change, that's why we haven't been destroyed. I don't know how God could love me. It's just who he is. He can't help himself. And so why would God ever be patient with It's who he is. He doesn't change. He's the same.
So in the Lord Jesus Christ, we should be changing each and every day to be more and more like him. And your current season that you are living in right now might be the season that is preparing you for the next season. We've talked about it before, but King David, before he was King David, what was he? A shepherd. And being a shepherd, he had to fight against a lion to protect those sheep. And one day he had to fight against a bear. And so when it came time when everyone was afraid of Goliath and uh, David was not, something rose up inside of him when Goliath came out and said, send me a man. And everyone ran and hid and David was like, what's going on? This guy has defied the God of Israel. What do you, uh, is there not a cause? They're like, oh, you know, you, you just come here, David. And his older brothers are saying, you just want attention and People, he go, isn't there a cause? He go, he, word gets to King Saul and said, here's a man who's actually not afraid. And he comes and Saul says, oh, you're just a boy. <laughs> you know, he's a man of war from his youth and you're a youth. And he said, but hey, listen, I, my sheep were in danger and along came this lion. And I killed the lion, took it by its beard. And, you know, my sheep were in danger, and then there was this bear. And so Saul said, okay. And so sometimes whatever you're experiencing may be preparing you for the very next stage of your life, whatever that might be. Jesus came from heaven to earth. He transformed. He came in the form of a servant. And he was transfigured before them on the Mount of Transfiguration. They got to see a little bit of his glory. But he completely humbled himself. He transformed himself. David's transition, he transitioned from that shepherd to a great king. One of the most, if not the most revered king of Israel. Paul transitioned from a persecutor to a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus' disciples, they transition from mere disciples to apostles, those who were sent in all the world to preach the gospel to every creature. Joseph, he transitioned from a prisoner to a prime minister. And so we've got to be transformed. In Romans 12, 1, where we start, it says, Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And we think, I'm going to do that. I'm going to present myself to God, a living sacrifice. So I'm going to go crawl on that altar. I'm going to dedicate my life to God. I'm going to give myself wholly and completely to Him. And then the lights get turned off. It gets a little cold. It gets a little lonely. No one else is jumping and shouting and running the aisles and you're all by yourself. And you crawl down off the altar because you're a living sacrifice. That's the problem with living sacrifices. And you crawl down right back down off the altar. And how many times have we done it? We've given our lives to the Lord. We say, I dedicate my life to you, Lord Jesus. And we crawl right down off that altar. He said, it's your reasonable service. 
It's reasonable. Be not conformed to this world. Don't be conformed. Don't be obedient. Don't be compliant to the world. Don't be compliant or obedient to somebody else's wishes. In this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So transformations. We got to be transformed. We, yeah. we can all be transformers. But we don't want to go back to what we were. You know, we want to transform into what he wants us to be. And God absolutely has a plan for, you know, this guy right here, Nathaniel, come here. His name is really Nathaniel. You guys know that I call him Nathaniel. But this guy has a head start on me. He started getting gray before I started getting gray. He's got gray hairs in there. I just found this out on Friday night. And who is it that asks what gray hairs represent? And I, <laughs> I said, wisdom, wisdom. This guy right here, man. This guy, you know, he might be 13 or 12. Oh, he's 12. <laughs> Not quite 13. He might be tw uh, 12, but, you know, he started younger than me with the gray hair. God has a plan for your life, Nathaniel. And you could do it your way or live according to your plan, and we'll see how that works out. Or you can do it God's way. And he's going to have to make that decision all by himself. Mama can't make it for him. Daddy can't make it for him. Right? You're going to have to make that decision by yourself. And let me just tell you, his plan for your life is the best plan that you can have for your life. It really is the best plan. But it might uh, be the most costly. It might be very uncomfortable. You guys know what I'm talking about? Very uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. Living for God is sometimes tough. Because we got to make sacrifices we don't want to make. We got to give up some things we don't want to give up. We got to be in some lonely places. You know, you go into the closet to pray, it's just you and God. You know, you sometimes walk paths that it seems like nobody else is walking. It seems like sometimes you're experiencing some things that, you know, I think that Job, we just, they just talked about this yesterday at the class, that it was primary, it was customary, that when somebody was grieving and you came to them, that for seven days you said nothing. And Job had his friends sitting there with him for seven days. Not a word was said. Nothing. Nothing, just sitting there. Job was in a lonely place. And sometimes what Job had at the very end, I think if we had Job here today, and we could say, Job, you can sit down, Nathan Ale. And we said, Job... We said, Job, you know that trial you went through? All those troubles, everything you had to experience? What do you think Job would say? 
What troubles? What trial? Look at at the very end. Look at the blessing. You've heard of the patience of Job, but you've seen the end of the Lord. See, at the beginning and in the middle of it, you don't see the end of the Lord. But the Bible tells us about the end of the Lord. And the end of the Lord is what I'm looking for. You might not see the end right now. You know, there's this old song that says, Bullfrogs and Butterflies. You guys remember that song? I thought about that. Um, and then there's this old song that, I think it was on that same CD, and it said, for children, Christian, like back in the olden days when I was a child. And they sang uh, this song that said, um, He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. How marvelous or how does it go how and how something he must be he's still working on me and so we don't always see the end of what God's going to do with brother Vivek but what if wonderful Rosette come play something pretty play something pretty put her to work how loving and patient he must be. He's still working on her. Just kidding. <laughs> He's still working on her. Amen. So there's a lot of uh, things that we could talk about today. There's a lot of things. We're all in different places. We're all in different walks in our lives and where we're at with Jesus Christ. But I want to tell you that um, if he has begun that good work in you, he will be faithful to complete it. I can't tell you how many times I thought, I don't know, I don't know if I could ever do anything great for God. I really had those doubts, a lot of doubts. And... Um, but along the way, you know, you just hang in there. You stick with it. And you keep, because I've made a lot of mistakes along the way. I've veered off the path. I have fallen down flat. I have been, I have made awful, terrible mistakes. But he's still working on me. And maybe when I look in that mirror, I'm seeing a little bit less of Jim and a li hopefully a little bit more of Jesus. Hopefully a little bit more of Jesus. Um, and that's what we want people to see, isn't it? My mother told me something about my niece back there. And she said, why do you uh, love your uncle so much? She said, because I see Jesus in him. Isn't that something that we, we all want to aspire for people to see Jesus in us? Amen. I don't know what Rosette's going to play, but amen. Let's just take a little bit of time and let's just begin to seek him.